it's one thing to create the content, but do you think many businesses actually put a cost on creating the wrong content? No, I don't think. Is they, that possible do. to do, do you think? I mean, sometimes we run workshops with people where we map out what the workflow looks like and then map out how many people are involved and how much does it cost them to publish something from the time when someone says, we need something about rainbows to publishing a page about rainbows. And often it's like four or five grand and people's jaws just drop to the floor. Hello and welcome to Bringing Design Closer and this is HCD. Our goal is to have conversations that inspire and help move the dial forward for organisations to become more human-centred in their approach to solving complex business and societal problems. My name is Jerry Scullion, as you probably know, I'm the founder of This Is HCD. I'm an educator, service designer and a podcaster here at This Is HCD. In this episode, I speak with Henrik Kronharan, co-founder of Content Design Academy at Content Design London and now author of Content Transformation, a fantastic book that no doubt will find its way into the hands of the user experience and service design community, hopefully over the next couple of months. It's an awesome book. I've read it and we chat about that book exclusively on this podcast. And let me tell you a bit about the book. The book sets out to enable a content alpha to occur within businesses. How to go about this, including setting it up, how to sell it into the, the executives, and all the way through to measurement. Henrik is awesome, and I know you're going to really, really enjoy this one. So let's jump straight in. Henrik, how are you doing? I'm all right. How are you, Jay? I'm doing <laughs> so. It's a Friday afternoon ahead of a long, uh, a long weekend. So over here in, in Ireland, is it a long weekend in the UK? No, no, no. it isn't. I'm as no. no. <laughs> it's it's, it's a, something to admire about the Irish. They still have a little ties to the church. It's something to do with a religious thing. I think I don't know, but um, either way, I'm all for Rum Day. I'm happy about that. But we were chatting there um, just beforehand. You are a partner, is that right? At Content Design London, or co-founder? I am a co-founder of the Co-Design Academy, uh, which uh, does sort of train part of the training for Content Design London. But we're all sort of one big and happy family. Absolutely. Um, I met you through the wonderful, the one and only (laughs) Sarah Winter. Um, so we connected a number of years ago we've done a bit of work over the years Um, but you've got a new book out uh, called Content Transformation where did you come up with the idea for this I wonder (laughs) Uh, well the wonderful and unique Sarah Winters and I were chatting about 18 months ago and we were chatting about mm. content strategy and how content design is, is still a new discipline, but uh, it's kind of matured sort of over the last 10 years. But content strategy is still kind of a new and woolly thing for many people. And the more we were chatting, the more yeah. I was thinking, well, no one kind of wakes up in the morning thinking I need a content strategy or most urgently. Um it's usually part of a bigger thing. And that's where we started to think about content transformation. And there's usually a, mm-hmm. a reason why people want to change something, why they want a strategy. And so 
I then kind of package the strategy mm. in a sort of bigger thing. Mm. So talk me through um, the use case of this because content transforma- content transformation um, might be almost like an oxymoron for some people. They might kind of go, well, how would this work like in terms of transformation of the business or transformation of the website, um, digital transformation? Where, where does this sit amongst all of that? So there's books around digital transformation out there that talk around sort of mm-hmm. the big tech background, et cetera, and the organizational change, yeah. et cetera. But what I found was, um, so for example, when people come on the Content Design London courses, uh, there was a lack of understanding about how to run a bigger content design project. And there were a lot of people coming saying, um, our website isn't working. There's too much stuff on there. Years and years of legacy content. People can't find anything. They keep calling us up. That sort of thing kept, the stories kept repeating themselves. And I thought, okay, there's something here where people. Okay need a bit of guidance need help yeah because that's a it's a really common thing like we were i was speaking to a a bank yesterday um and they were talking to us about the role of some of of management in in product spaces like that where their their job is just adding stuff to the system it's not really about extraction or managing that process their job is is effectively a task completer they ensure that the thing gets added for the department and i was like god that sounds like a horrendous um example for people managing their content because you're going to end up with this mud hut scenario where you're just throwing stuff and it's not really thinking about the, the whole kind of sequencing of things so in that example that i'm just talking about there like a bank where there's so many people looking for things and they're competing about uh you know space on the website you know the home page as i'm talking i'm actually you know <laughs> feeling somewhat queasy i've been in those positions is this book set up for people like that where it'll give them a a sort of step by step process to how to enable that, that this type of transformation to occur yes yeah absolutely so it's basically great. I, Thank I, you, I, podcast. I, <laughs> it'll solve all your problems, <laughs> and I did it all on yeah. my own. <laughs> yeah. I look at it like this is an an atlas that people can open up and say, "Okay, mm. I'm here, but I want to go to hit there." And how do I do that? And then there's yeah. workshops you can run, etc. And then you. I, what I want people to do is read it and then think, okay, yeah, this is good, Henrik, but actually what we are going to do is something different. I, I just want to spark some ideas in people's heads and and help them to take action, really. Nice. Because I nice. think content designers are often a bit afraid to speak up still in organizations and Mm. uh, this will maybe help them get sort of a clear idea of how the process can work 
So if you had to give a tagline, because I know Sarah's book, Content Design, which for me was the first piece that I'd really, I'd, I'd bought um, and just resonated with me straight away. I was like, okay, well, this fills in some spaces for me in the user experience and the product design and the copywriting worlds. It kind of brought all of these disciplines, interaction and uh, information architecture together. What would the tagline be on this one? And how? what's the connection between the two books? Or is there a connection between the two books? So the connection is that Sarah's book explains what content design is and how you write content in a user-focused way. And this book is mm-hmm. the process of changing your content to slim it down, first of all, and um, make it user-focused. And of course, that isn't just about content. When you start taking everything apart and then puzzle it back together by user needs in a new way, everything else changes. The, The design changes, the structure of the whole thing changes. So... The title content mm. transformation is maybe a little bit misleading in that it can't just be about the content. <laughs> There's almost different lenses um, that you can apply to this. Um, especially, I remember when I was speaking to Jerry McGovern about content, and his statement is you can get rid of 95% of the content on a website. Obviously, not any pieces of content. You need, there needs to be a process put around it. And it'll still function. It'll still run like, you know, like an awful lot of the the long tail of the the content that's been created historically by organizations tends to be not very good. Um, So how does deleting of the existing content form part of your your narrative in the book, the retrospective stuff? I think that content is, as a digital discipline, is a bit of an exception in that everyone can put their fingers on a keyboard and start writing something. Not everyone can put their fingers on a keyboard and start coding or designing something. People might have Mm. opinions about design, but they usually can't do it. So that means that a lot of organizations, like you were saying that your bank example earlier, and a lot of organizations over the years we've seen this mushrooming of unnecessary content because people just publish stuff because they can. Yeah. Um, A frenzy. Yes. Yeah. And this, the process I've kind of laid out in the book goes through um, a researching what people actually want from you. How, what, what does your audience need? Then, from that, mm-hmm. identifying your user needs and then puzzling something new back together rather than saying, we've got 2,576 pages. Which ones of these are we going to keep? That is usually a very work-intensive, boring, and uh, not very effective process. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it's also probably quite demor- demoralizing as well for um for teams, I imagine. Yes. And it's um, 
the, the process I've just described is also a culture change, means culture change. People have to think about, starting to think about content in a different way, not as in, I'm writing a Word document with uh, 2,000 words and then I'm handing it over to the digital team and somehow, like magic, it will appear on the website. That kind of model yeah. that still exists in a lot of places yeah. doesn't work anymore. And you're taking something away from people, so that's scary for them from stakeholders. Yeah. Um, but you're giving them something else, which is let's just think about why we're doing this, why we need this new piece that you're suggesting, what are people actually getting out of it, and what is the business getting out of it? Because the the other side of this is that publishing content can be very expensive because lots of people are involved, and most businesses have no idea how much it costs to publish something. So this is also about streamlining the whole thing uh, teams working together more efficiently, being more happy, and saving money at the yeah. end of the day. It's one thing to create the content, but do you think many businesses actually put a cost on creating the wrong content? No, I don't think Is they, that possible they do. to do, do you think? I mean, sometimes um, we <clears throat> run workshops with people where we map out what the workflow looks like and then map out how much how many people are involved and how much does it cost them to publish something from the time when someone says we need something about rainbows to publishing a page about rainbows and often it's like four or five grand and people's jaws just drop to yeah. the floor so i don't think like that. no no they don't it's um it's fascinating um, to see what what lies beyond that. Um, but what I really like about the book is you set it up in terms of an alpha. Okay, so like you set the premise up about trying to sell the the not sell the discipline, but sell the approach into how to start off like with some housekeeping rules, um, and then setting up the alpha. So in your experience. What are the resistance points within organizations to taking that first step? Um, do you have any experience in that yourself? Often is, is that senior people don't really understand the digital space to start with. And you're selling them something that might be very abstract for them to say we are going to scale back the content and we are going to make it more user-friendly, etc., doesn't really resonate with them. So I find you have to find ways of tapping into their mental space. So more engagement, yeah. lower costs, making more money if that is part of their business model. So you need to know what the business goals, the bigger business goals are and kind of yeah. tie that into your story, into your sales pitch. It, um, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a more of a modern way of thinking when you think about it because 
you know, we want to make sure that what gets created is the right thing. Um, and we want to do it the right way as well. But some organizations, and this is an assumption on my behalf, I've got no um, research to back this up, but there's a certain amount of self-serving happening where they're like, oh, we've been so busy, we created whatever, a hundred pieces of content this this month. And they they feel some way vindicated that they've produced this this amount of effort. Like it shows the business that we've we've actually created yeah. something. We're creating things. That equates to like, oh, aren't we doing well? Is that fair to say, or am, am I way off the mark? No, I think you're, you're absolutely spot on. And that is a, a hurdle to overcome when you introduce content design principles and this way of working, because the biggest part of running a, an alpha or a transformation project is really to figure out what people need, not to write as many pieces in as little time as possible. So a lot of time is spent yeah. to figure out what people need and how to give it to them. And then the smallest bit of the work is to actually make the thing, at least for content. And that is difficult for senior people often to to understand and it makes them nervous because they don't see lots of stuff being churned mm -hmm. out so there's a lot yeah. of managing and expectations that you have to do one of the big pieces there is um it's a shifting of the mindset in terms of rather than creating uh, and reframing it more towards the outcomes that we're hoping to achieve by creating the output of our efforts, so to speak. Is it fair to say that in, in that sort of fable that I've just told you there, or that narrative, um, it's measuring the wrong thing. It's measuring the, the amount of work versus the outcome. So it's more of an outcome-driven measurement that we're looking to achieve. And if so, do you, have you included any of the, the ways of measurement in terms of the effectiveness of the content? Yes, there's a, a part in the book that talks about how do you actually know what you did is successful? Yeah. And that, that looks at sort of different content formats, have different purposes, so you can't just sort of apply some blanket analytics to everything. And then to, to think about what, is, what do the users want out of this? Can we measure that succession uh, uh, rate in some way. Um, so there's kind of different uh, success criteria you need to apply. And you also, because that adds to this process being transparent so that you don't, um, okay, we've gone through this alpha now, we've published some stuff, uh, it's just sitting there, and we don't we, we don't know whether it's doing well or not. So you need to create also to sell this into the organization. You need to create transparency, sell it, saying, okay, we'll let it run for six months or eight months, and then we go back to it and we iterate. Yeah, and you work from that point. I mean, I think that's where a lot of design designers probably fall down like you know when we're going to do research we do an awful lot of the preparation 
do the screeners, we we do the uh, the work. And then when it comes to the sense making, um, we kind of just say, okay, well, we've got enough what we need, we, we move ahead. But there's a piece there that we could also probably do a little bit better. And that's what I'm hearing from you is the is the kind of like the, the shouting about it or the talking about it or the the sharing and the incre- increasing the visibility um of of our efforts um can you talk a little bit more around the metrics that you mentioned there about um being able to measure it are there any things that you can talk about without giving away too much because i know you're you know we're on a podcast you, you want people to to be a little bit more interested and hopefully buy the book because um you know that's that's kind of the nature of why we've written the books i guess but what measurement tools do you have um included in the book that, that people could learn about so it's a broadly it's a mix of what is the content mm-hmm. trying to achieve so let's say uh you're running a health website and uh you've published a bunch of new con- content pages around uh, diabetes, type 2 diabetes, for example. So you will yeah. set some uh, criteria around what these pages are trying to achieve. So, for example, we get a lot of phone calls about people um, struggling to understand uh, how they how to take their medication are those phone calls the number of those phone calls is that going down for example so you you're looking at okay the the format what is it trying to achieve the content itself what is it trying to achieve then what are then user intent is an an important uh, thing to measure what do do your uh, users want to get out of this are they engaging with further content are they going on uh, onward journeys for example um so we for example we work with charities who want to build their community so you can see an yeah. effect of people coming from content into the community pages discussing topics there but then there's also mm-hmm. uh, business goals what does the business want to get out of uh, this Mm. new content, uh, whether it's sales or saving costs or more engagement. Um, So that's another uh, measurement uh, that that comes into this. What I really like about the content design discipline is they've stood up and they've pointed at the thing that's not working, okay? Okay. Typically, what I've seen when I coach teams is they're somewhat subservient to the organizational control and command where they're like, okay, we're going to work on this project. And they start working on it. And they're effectively doing the mud hut scenario that I'm talking about. They're contributing to the long term design and content debt of the organization. Content design, on the other hand, has stood up and said, we're, we're different to this. We want to look at you know, the processes that go into how we how we create things. So it looks at sort of reducing the debt over time. Where do you see, um, after this book has gone out, and if you imagine it's a, a New York Times best-selling book, Henrik, okay, and organizations, <laughs> it's, only, it's only a matter of time, okay? From your lips lab, to God's <laughs> 
<laughs> and Jerry said it. And then who, you won't believe it, three weeks later was a New York Times bestselling <laughs> book. Um, if it is, folks, you've heard it here first, okay? But imagine that it is like an organization's adopt this, uh, this mindset. Um, where do you see the content design discipline going beyond this okay because between yourself and sarah and then there's rachel mcconnell as well who's been on the podcast as well there's a lot an awful lot of very solid books being created um what do we need to do more of amongst the zoomed out design disciplines about working better together i think there's still a lot of work to do in terms of cross-team working I'm still experiencing myself and hearing a lot of stories from colleagues where a startup makes a, a service or a transaction, an app, and everything is built and designed. And then at the end, they bring someone in and they say to them, can you just sort of put some words on these screens in our app here? And that is... Yeah. It, uh, is annoying not because i'm a content designer because also because it usually doesn't work because then content designers look Mm -hmm. at it and they say well why is this here and not here and there's no narrative through this and you're just jumping around so Mm -hmm. basically when you make a new product to look like it's a given that you have developers and designers and a product manager on there it should be a given that you have a content designer on there not because we need to be involved in everything all the time no one no one does but to involve people strategically so that you can build a better product at the end of the day i think it's important and the book i hope is going to give content designers out there a clear idea of how a project can be run so that they can join these teams and say hey hang on a second why don't we try this or let's let's do a workshop about x because there's still there's a bit in the book about we need to overcome our cinderella complex where we always sit in the corner and are waiting to be asked to the ball. And I want people to just stand up and walk over to people and say, I can help you with this thing oh, because I have all the subject matter knowledge, for example. Um, so hopefully it's going to give them a bit of confidence to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Did you mention at the start um, that you've been working on a, a course around the the content transformation piece as well? So we're running uh, sort of several courses already at, at CDL. There's a kind of foundation course of the introduction mm-hmm. to content design. And now we've also got an, an advanced content design course, which covers parts of what's, what's in the book. But our next endeavor mm-hmm. is to go pro and uh, do something for content design for pro, which I think there's a lot out there about thinking on your feet is something I've been thinking about a lot lately because when, you, like you know, Jerry, when we're on these projects, things never go according to plan. 
So you have to be creative and yeah. flexible and sort of react to change very quickly. Yeah. Speaking of change, one of the bits that I really enjoyed reading about, and that's not being anyway a sadist, but I enjoyed reading about the difficulties that Content Design London had in redesigning their website, which um, do you want to talk to us a little bit more around that? And I don't mean that in a negative way. It's like, I, I can imagine, you know, it's like anyone's website. It's always, it's, it's easier to work on other people's website than it is in your own. But talk to us um, about the uh, the process of, of presumably a team of content designers worked on it um, and you had some great books to to lean on as well to, to get the information, but yet it was still a struggle. Can you tell us a little bit more around that? I, I wasn't uh, involved in making the new website. No one was but... involved in it. That's what I can understand. <laughs> no one wants to put their hands up and say, I was involved in it. <laughs> Sarah was the same. <laughs> wasn't but, me. But the, the, the CDL team, I, I mean, it's like writing your own CV, isn't it? Like you Suddenly it's, it's cringy talking ab- about your own achievements and, and all that. Um, but the team uh, at CDL, they kind of followed this process. They had sort of their user needs developed and identified and pieced them together into um, pieces of content that would be needed and to, to think about the journeys that people might go through. It's a r- relatively small side but um once you sort of start thinking about well what do we want to achieve as a business and what do we know about yeah our users it gets sort of more tricky very quickly absolutely one of the things that i did notice was the speed on the website now is ridiculous but there's there's very few um images on the website so it's it's mostly text is that right Yes, yeah, which also has to do with um, accessibility and also loading speed um, because they've thought a lot about um, people who might not have very uh, good Wi-Fi or not high-speed connections Mm -hmm. or look at this on their crappy old phone, etc. So that kind of thinking also came into this well look um henrik i'll put a link to obviously the book content transformation um in the show notes for this episode as well and i'll put a link to content design london uh, as well for people to to learn more about the brilliant work that um the team does over there as well um if people wanted to connect with you personally um what what are the best social media platforms for us to include in the show notes and maybe to give a shout out to them now um, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Henrik von Haren, and I'm on Twitter as Pop-Up Story. Nice. <laughs> what we might do as well, um, we're, we're chatting there about uh, maybe Henrik doing a takeover of our newsletter to talk a little bit more around uh, content transformation, because I know it's a topic uh, dear to many of our listeners' hearts. So stay tuned and sign up to the newsletter if you want to hear more about this. Thanks so much for your time, Henrik. Thank you very much for having me. 
there you go folks i hope you enjoyed that episode and if you enjoyed it and want to listen to more why not visit thisishatecd.com where you can learn more about what we're up to and also explore our courses whilst you're there thanks again for listening <laughs>